Soon, I was able to recognize his call for my life. The clay vessel he was forming me to be. A bull. A bull? I thought to myself. Before, I was a beautiful pot displayed for all to see, to recognize my beauty and stand in awe. But now I am to be a bull? What good am I going to be as a bull? Kept in a cupboard? Unseen? Rarely used? What is this potter thinking? This is B-Sides, the podcast between Sundays. I'm Pastor Brandon McCulloch. This episode, go to the potter's house. We have two parts following up Pastor Mike's message from Jeremiah chapters 18 to 20. In part one, I will be giving you a sermonette entitled, Out of Shape, Go to the Potter's House. And in part two, we have a short story contributed by my sister, Michelle McCulloch, called, A Vessel in the Potter's Hands. And just a warning, she let me know that she has not thoroughly edited it, so, uh, but because I wanted to put it in this episode, I decided to take it as it was. But I think you will find it fine as it is, and a very insightful story. Part 1. Out of shape? Go to the potter's house. Do you ever feel unfulfilled? If you do, it's because you have no form. You have no shape. In order to hold something, we have to have a container. And a container has a form. It has a shape. So I wonder if we often feel a lack of something. It's because we don't have the proper shape to contain life and everything that God is giving us in this life. God is a God of grace, which means he's a generous God, which means all of his goodness is constantly moving outward from him toward his creation. Yet we often live as if he's a God of scarcity, a God who has good things and can give us good things, but often withholds them from us. We imagine that he's stingy or that he's close to the season, Santa Claus, making sure that only the good people get his gifts. I suggest that if we see a stingy God, if we live a life of scarcity, It's because we don't have the proper container to hold everything that God is giving. Remember earlier in Jeremiah chapter 2, how Jeremiah accuses the people of being cracked cisterns? They can't hold the blessings of God's rainwater. So we may be cracked, or we may simply lack shape. That's why Jeremiah is told by God in chapter 18 to go to the potter's house. Jeremiah has been weeping and lamenting all of these prayers of complaint. 
God's not punishing him for that. That's fair and right. And some of us go through those seasons. But God's also realizing that Jeremiah is struggling with his shape. He's not sure about his form. And that's why it's really hard for him to stand up. So Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. I want to show you something. Now, let's be compassionate with Jeremiah here. He did not have an easy call. He was basically told to give a message that was completely unpopular. It went against everything the popular prophets were saying. He was told not to go to parties, not to go to funerals, not to marry, not to have a family. He was to completely withdraw from society. Jeremiah was to be alone, to be rejected, and he would not see the fruit of any of his labors. He would be continually rejected and not listened to. Yeah, Jeremiah had a rough calling. And so I think we can sympathize with him. When he complains, his last lament, his last prayer of weeping, of grief, of complaint, in chapter 20, verse 7, listen to the anger, the confusion, the hurt he's feeling. This is a man who's struggling with the shape God has given him. He cries, Oh, Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout, Violence and destruction! For the word of Yahweh has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. There is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terrors on every side. Denounce him, let us denounce him, say all my close friends watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived. Then we can overcome him and take our revenge on him. Skipping down to verse 14, Jeremiah continues, Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father. O son is born to you, making him very glad. Let that man be like the cities that Yahweh overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon, because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Why did I come out from the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Why, is what Jeremiah keeps asking. Why, God, have you given me this call, or this form, or this shape? Why am I who I am? Perhaps you can relate with that question. And I think if we're all honest, we have asked the same questions. 
Why am I not like him or like her? Or why do I not have those talents or those skills? Why, why, why? Some of us may have actually cursed the day of our birth at some point. Jeremiah is like us. What we need to do is to go to the potter's house. And there we will learn our shape. See, we so frequently want to define our own shape. And we do this all the time. We do this in the stories we tell people about ourselves. We do this in the way we highlight good events, but ignore the bad ones. We do this in the way that we don't show our vulnerabilities to the ones we love. We do this on social media with what we display toward people, this image as if this is what our life consists of, is happy pictures and these great moments. We love to shape ourselves. But when we go to the potter's house, we learn that we are the clay. We are not the potter. We are the clay, which means we do not shape ourselves. We are shaped by the potter, by God. And the reason we are unable to feel fulfilled, to feel complete, to feel like we can enjoy the grace of God in our lives, to recognize that he actually delights in us and has pleasure in us and pleasure for us, the reason that we cannot see those things is because we are like those cracked cisterns. We are deformed because we make very bad potters. We think we can shape ourselves, but we realize that the shape we've made cannot hold the goodness of God. So we are called to go to the potter's house to recognize we are clay. He is the shaper. Jeremiah can calm down when he goes to the potter's house. This is the last of his laments. And he can see, okay, this may not be the shape that I would choose, but it's the one that God chose for me. And I can either take responsibility for this and use my shape for its purpose, or I can reject it. But if we reject our shape, we will always, always, always be misshapen. Just after he sees this vision of the potter and the clay... We are told in 18 verse 12. But they say, This is in vain. We will follow our own paths. And will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart? <laughs> that is the opposite of how clay should act. The stubbornness of its own heart. This means hardness. Stubbornness is hardness. You will not bend or budge. You will not be moved. You will not be shaped. See, the thing about clay is that clay, when it is hardened, cannot be shaped. When we are stubborn or when we insist on autonomy, meaning we are our own governors, we make our own rules, we make our own plans, when we insist on independence from God, we can't be shaped. So we go to the potter's house to submit ourselves as clay before the potter. 
and he shapes us. He forms us so that we can become a vessel that can hold his goodness. And when we hold it, we can pour it out on others. And because we have a great shape, he can fill us back up and we can pour ourselves back out and he can fill us back up and we can pour ourselves back out. So you may be wondering, all right, what is my form? What is my shape? Well, shape is an acronym, well-known acronym, um, actually created, at least as far as I can tell, it was created by Rick Warren. Um, I found this to be very helpful. Your shape looks like this. S is your spiritual gifts. What are your spiritual gifts? Are you great at praying? Do you get tremendous insights in scripture? Do you have this knack for discerning the intentions and the spirit of a person? Do you ever get visions of what God is doing in a group of people? Do you love to serve? You find joy in serving others. Do you just have this ability to sense the needs of others and you're able to target those? Do you have a way of sharing the gospel in a loving manner that people are drawn to? What is your spiritual gift? H is for heart. What do you have a heart for? Or another way of asking that is, what do you have a passion for? What are the kinds of people you're drawn to or the kinds of activities that bring you to life? What makes your heart beat? What gets you up in the morning? That's your heart. And that is part of your shape. Spiritual gifts, heart. A is for abilities. What can you do? There are some things we just can't do. We don't have the ability. So that's not your shape. But you do have abilities. Everybody has abilities. What are your abilities? And maybe you can't see them. Maybe you feel that you are below average in every single category. Ask people around you what they perceive your abilities to be. And when you get the consensus, trust it. Trust it. You might just be too hard on yourself. Maybe you need to start trusting that God is giving you this ability because this is how he's shaping you. So we have spiritual gifts. What do you have a heart for? Your abilities. P, your personality. Personality tests are huge right now. They're very trendy. You go online and you can find half dozen to a dozen different personality tests. Of course, the big one right now is the Meyer Briggs. You can go take your own personality test. Americans are just really into themselves. Let's be honest. We love to know who we are. And so these are really big right now. But it's helpful to know your personality. And as long as we're doing this to understand our shape so that we can be filled and poured out for God, it's not a bad thing to learn about yourself. So, for example, the Myers-Briggs works along the lines of, are you an introvert or an extrovert? In other words, do you get re-energized by being alone, introvert, or by being with people, extrovert? Do you like to live planned or spontaneous? Are you very organized or do you like to go with the flow? Do you tend to view things in an imaginative way or in a practical way? Do you dream or do you like to just get down to the bottom of making things work? And are you a thinker or a feeler? 
Do you see the rules that are in place and the the patterns and the boundaries and see a need to hold to them no matter what? Or are you more concerned with how this action affects people and feelings and environments? So those are some of the questions. Um, those are some of the ways of understanding what am I like? What is my personality? And this is big because some of us have a personality that's great working with people. And others of us have a personality that's great working behind the scenes to help other people. So some of us like face-to-face time. Some of us like side-by-side time. Some of us like to be on the stage. Some of us, some of us like to be behind the scenes, understanding how you work, how the potter has formed you will help you know your shape so that you can be filled and poured out. So we have spiritual gifts, we have heart, we have abilities, we have personality, and finally the E is for experiences. You are not merely a sliver of the present. You have a past. And even the worst moments of that past are experiences that define your shape. Yes, the good experiences, of course, those help define your shape too, but even the bad experiences define your shape. Yes, even those moments when you were dropped and you cracked, that defines your shape. You see, our cracks are sometimes the most important things about us. Those are the places where we felt the potter work on us the most. Those are the places where we're most aware of his work, his creativity, his healing power. Those are the places where we are most intimate with the potter. And here's something we need to realize in all of our bad experiences. They're all useful for our shape because God never discards that which is misshapen. Did you hear that? Let me say that again. God never discards. He never looks at something and says, rubbish. He always repurposes. He always recycles. He always resurrects. That is something that we must hold on to. In a world that wants to discard the discomfortable, to get rid of the things that are bad, things that hurt, God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't discard that quite yet. That experience will be part of your shape. In the text, we see in chapter 18, verse 4, And the vessel the potter was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Did you hear that? The clay was spoiled, so the potter did not chuck it out and grab a new hunk of clay. Nope. The potter saw the spoiled clay and said, okay, then let's work it this way. He reworked. Friends, God recycles. God reworks. God repurposes. God resurrects. So yes, all our experiences are part of our shape. We cannot be this vessel, this container for him without the good and the bad experiences. And that's when we learn to receive his grace. 
when we understand that all this is giving us a shape. So often we don't accept his grace because we don't feel worthy. We allow the cracks to remain and think, well, I got to do my part. I got to patch that up. But the way we patch it up always ends up leaking. We must let the potter deal with the marred, spoiled, cracked parts of our clay. That is when we develop a shape. And when you have a shape, you have a form that can be filled and then served to a world in need. So maybe you're like Jeremiah and you don't understand your shape. The call of the passage is to go to the potter's house and pray with that image until God begins to show you your shape. Part 2. A Vessel in the Potter's Hands. A short story by Michelle McCulloch. Amongst many other clay pots I lay, hard, cracked, and in need of a touch of love. It has been quite some time since I have been used. At one time, I was the beautiful center display filled with beautiful flowers in the king of Israel's house. So consumed with what others thought of me, how I was perceived, how beautiful I appeared, until the day that I was accidentally dropped and a crack was found upon me, causing me to be scarred, damaged, and therefore useless. I was stained. I have been here, in the potter's house, since then, but unwilling to allow the potter to change me for fear of the process it would involve. I have watched this potter many times take a pot like myself and remold it. First, he must break it, then pour water upon it, and begin to remold it according to his pleasure. The pots are never again pots, always used for something else. They are sent away different after being touched by this potter. Beautiful, changed, ready to be used. So why is it that I am not willing to become beautiful and changed? Because I fear the breaking. I fear the washing. I fear the change. I have allowed weeks to pass now. Within my heart, I want to take that chance and allow him to touch me. But I wrestle with my own fear. What I... What have I to fear, though? When I look into the potter's gentle eyes, I see nothing but love. This morning... I awoke and found this chip in my side from my fall. It's how I feel 
in all areas. As if a chip is inside me. Something lacking. An incompleteness. I desire more. I want to be filled and full again. Just then, I saw the potter approaching. He reached out his arm to me and touched me. Upon the wheel, he placed me and asked, so simply, Well, my little clay pot, are you willing? I replied, Yes, but I am unable to overcome my own fears. You need not overcome, but trust me. My perfect love will cast out all your fears. I have a great plan for your life. I desire to use you for my glory. Are you ready? As he spoke these words, peace filled my heart. As he took me in his hands, he began to break me. But it wasn't me he was breaking, but the areas of sin in my life. He removed the impurities that had come upon my shell and then washed me. The water came upon me, and I could feel a sense of new life as he whispered promises and truth into my ears. The sound of the water was as the rain of promises and love falling. With each drop of water, he spoke, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. I have given myself for you. Romans 5 8. I have perfect plans for your life. Jeremiah 29 11. I hear you when you call. Psalm 3 3 through 4. 1 John 5 14 through 15. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Hebrews 13 5. Even when all else in life changes, I am unchanging. Hebrews 13.8 I will wash you clean and remember not your former sins and mistakes. Hebrews 8.12 You are complete in me. Colossians 2.10 I will give you strength when you are weak. Isaiah 40 verses 28-31 I will uphold you, Isaiah 41.10. I am able, Ephesians 3.20. I will use you for my glory, 2 Corinthians 2.14. I will not withhold anything good from you so long as you walk with me, Psalm 84.11. I desire to use you, Ephesians 2.10. The truth of his words brought new life to my soul. He began to mold and shape me. At times I felt that he was stretching me beyond what I could handle. But his gentle voice brought comfort as he said, I know the plans I have for you. Although uncomfortable and difficult in the moment, to my surprise, each stretch grew me stronger and stronger. Soon, I was able to recognize his call for my life, the clay vessel he was forming me to be.
a bull. A bull, I thought to myself. Before I was a beautiful pot displayed for all to see, to recognize my beauty and stand in awe. But now I am to be a bull? What good am I going to be as a bull? Kept in a cupboard? Unseen? Rarely used? What is this potter thinking? As these thoughts and questions bounced within my mind, I heard the potter say, Trust me, I know what I am doing. You will be used for my glory in my perfect timing. Be patient, dear one. Trust your maker. As I looked up into his eyes, I was humbled and amazed. Why should I question such a loving creator? Such a one who reached out his hand to me when I was even unwilling to be touched, but who loved me enough to break me that I may be made new and whole in him. As the months progressed, I spent much time with my potter. I would watch him. I would speak with him. And he would open my eyes to see many new things, new things that I had never known. I felt complete in him. I knew that the more time I spent with him, the more I was forgetting myself and my desires and becoming like him and desiring only to please him. One morning, it was time. He called for me. I found myself in a cupboard in a small home in Jerusalem. There I saw, within the cracks of the cupboard, Jesus, sitting at a table with his disciples, eating with them. I could see the familiar look of love upon his face, for he was one with my potter. Yet also, I saw sorrow. Much was upon his mind, he knew how greatly he loved these men sitting around him, yet he knew that one would betray him. He knew the task that was set before him, the cost. I thought to myself, fear must be within his eyes, just as there was within mine, before I was willing to face the cost of allowing the potter to remold me. Yet I saw no fear within his eyes, only love an eternal love, a love willing to lay down his life to remove the cracks from his people, to forgive them, and to remold them for his glory. With so much on his mind and heart, I watched him as he rose from the table. Is he going to take a walk outside? Get his mind off things? Can he no longer stand to be in the same room with Judas who would betray him? thoughts such as these ran through my head, for this is what I would do. But instead, I found that he was not running away at all, but walking right toward me with passion, love, and a perfect plan. He picked me up, filled me with water, and placed me on the floor. He pulled several towels 
out from the closet and knelt down before his disciples. In love, he removed their sandals and began to wash their feet. On a night such as this, my Jesus was found washing the feet of those who would forsake him in only a matter of hours when he would be led to the cross. There he was, washing their feet. Behold the humble king. I remembered at that moment how I once sat in the palace of the king in Israel on display, concerned only with my own image. But now, here I was, being used by the true king, the humble king, to wash the feet of others. In that moment, I felt more joy than I had ever experienced before. I was being used by God. He washed away the dirt and stains. He painted for them a picture of what he would do upon the cross. Wash and forgive them of their sins and stains. Then he left a call that as long as they were to remain, they should follow in his steps. He is our example. And if he came and washed the feet of others, we ought to do the same. At a moment with so much upon his heart, he turned his attention to others and washed their feet. At one time, I was unwilling to be changed. But in that room, watching the Son of God wash the feet of those he loved, I was changed forever. I had been touched by the potter, used by the sun, and given new vision for life. I am Christ's, and I want to live my life to please this humble king. If he loved me enough to lay down his life for me, surely I can trust him that he has good plans for me. My words to you, dear listener, he waits for your love, for your heart, for your life. The potter patiently waits for you to allow him to wash you, that he may use you and your life for his glory, that the exceeding beauty of your potter, your creator, may be seen and shine as a bright light for all to see through your life. He has good plans for your life, to heal your brokenness, to satisfy you like no other, to love you like no other, to use you to do great things in him. But you must first allow him to remove the cracks from your heart. He is willing So I ask you, are you willing? Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, 
He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and used for the master, prepared for every good work. 2 Timothy 2 verse 21. If you have a story, question, or suggestion that you think should be on this podcast, please never hesitate to contact me at brandonmcculloch at calvarychapel.com. That's brandonmcculloch at calvarychapel.com. This is Pastor Brandon with grace and gratitude. Thanks for listening.